0: Good morning, class. Morning.
1: Good
0: morning. We are on October the 6th. I think this is our sixth week of meeting. Raise your hand if you prefer three hours once a week to what we're doing. Raise your hand if you prefer twice for an hour and a half. Raise your hand if you're not sure.
1: <laughs>
0: Boy, I am loving this. I don't know. It's probably harder to have to come to class twice. My brain gets full after, you know an hour, much less three. And so it was interesting, I've been talking to, I had lunch with Kirby Alexander, he's one of our other instructors of this class, and we're rare. Most of the sections are doing three hours once a week. So, and he was just saying, everybody's brain is dead after, you know, two hours, it's so hard. So, anyway, I hope you're enjoying this class. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying being here at UNT, too. You know, I went to the Air Force Academy. I didn't know what I was giving up when I did that. Um, there were a lot of opportunities I had that I wouldn't have had otherwise. But you all are really blessed to have, a, I think, a great place to go to school. And there's just a lot. I'm enjoying this because I've never been here before. I'm hoping maybe by the end of the semester I can bring maybe my middle daughter and have her uh, do some teaching uh, about some technology stuff. And I just want to show her UNT. It's never too early to start you know, talking to kids about going to college and taking them places and letting them see. So. Well, today for our app share, um, I'll start with that and then we'll do the video. I'm gonna show you Pano. Um, Pano is a panoramic um, application. So literally, I just took, I think, six pictures and my iPhone stitched that together um, automatically. And Pano lets you either um, shoot your pictures, vertically like this or horizontally but as I take one picture it will then leave a little trace of the first picture on the left so see how I can kind of move that and line up with the next and then I kind of do do that again so I have put on your handout for today a couple links Um, one is the actual Pano app this is a three dollar app and Marco Torres who shared with me brushes that I think I mentioned last time no I did potty training last time we did brushes uh, a week ago on Wednesday um, he shared this with me last October so since October I've taken like 176 pictures with Pano and this flicker set um, basically has all of my Pano pictures in it um, some of these are just are so fun. Um, Last year, I actually, and I'm going to get to take her up again. This is my daughter who's now in, uh, she's six. Here's the original of this. Look how fun this is because she got in the picture every time I took a shot. So, here she is. And this was at a scenic overlook on K177, which is a scenic byway uh, going up to Manhattan. I'm going to take her up for uh, Halloween again that that same weekend, um, so this is a this is a panorama just down from my parents' house where they live in Kansas, and it just happened that that weekend when I was there was absolutely the most spectacular weekend for fall colors. And so rather than just the one picture, look how cool it is. And you know you used to have to have a tripod with a special. Little clicker thing that your camera would have, and you click it just perfectly to line it up. And pano, if you get it close, does the math to um, get it to get it close. So these are in chronological order. Um, I add, I add these. If I take a pano picture, I try to to add it to the flicker group, and I try to add it. You know, to the other group that I'm that I'm doing. So here's a couple shots from Shanghai. I'm going under actions to say view all sizes, and then I'm clicking on the original because the original these are way bigger than you know you can show on one screen. This is this is in Shanghai. This is not a very good shot. Um, this is the one I wanted to show. So 11 years ago. If we were looking across the river here at, um, from the Bund, this is called the Bund, and it is an area was called the French Concession in Shanghai. It was owned by foreigners, and these were all embassies. And these are like banks and things like that now. But uh, when you look across, this is called the Pearl Tower of Shanghai. And I haven't passed my iPad around a lot, but I... Um, I have, you know, different pictures on my iPad and I've got this picture of my wife by the Pearl Tower there. It's sort of the icon of Shanghai. Well, thir- 15 years ago, this was all rice paddies looking across the water. I mean, there was nothing there. They have built all of these skyscrapers in the, in the last decade. So it's a very interesting place to go in the evening and people watch. Um, there's just all kinds of, of folks that are down there and, you know, like as soon as you get, I get out of the car in some places, people like, basic, they're not speaking English, they're speaking Mandarin and they want to take their picture with me, you know, I'm blonde headed, like, you know, very, very different. So particularly with China's one child policy, uh, I'd like to travel there with my children and that would also be like a freak show. Oh my gosh, they have three children. I mean, it's, it is a little bit more common for the, some of the wealthy to have more than one child. But it's, I wouldn't say common. I mean, it's not completely unheard of. So anyway, that's your app share for today. Pano. Um, does anybody have a program that'll do a panoramic before or a panoramic picture? I've seen at Best Buy. Taylor Swift has the ads for the some kind of panoramic picture that she can use at her concert, you know, to take the pictures of everybody. And some cameras have that kind of feature built in, too. You actually
2: did it online with, like, about an athlete. I actually, I made it from my birthday online. It was a picture of four years ago on an all-in-one
3: thing. Really? It looked so cool. And I framed it. Really? It was about, like, four feet long. It was so cool. How
0: did you make it? Do you remember what site you used to do that?
2: I think it was Walmart, Oh, Walmart does it. Walmart, PBS, they do
0: Walmart. Hmm. so they let you stitch together different pictures to make a make a big one. Huh. Very cool. Well, photography is just, it's, it's awesome. And to be able to have the, the capability to do that is is super. So uh, please make sure you check in with our attendance today. And I want to point out that—and a couple things. I, I sent a message or I put a message on our class blog, uh, several ones actually, but all of your quizzes have been graded. Uh, if you've submitted it, eight of you took the quiz. Disregard the first score you get because it obviously can't read it for you. I mean, I have to do that and just disregard when it says you have a zero I have to evaluate it and it now has a message that will tell you that but um, our quiz is due this Friday by 5 o'clock central time so please make sure that you take it by 5 o'clock you've got this whole week to take it and um, you can take it Three times it'll give you again two questions to put in the links. Make sure you put in the right link. I had one person put in a wrong link, and you know, so I, I emailed you or I said you know email me your correct link, um, or you can take the quiz again. But it will it will ask you for two specific posts, and you need to give those posts. Yes. Um, when I want ask
1: for the post, um, Do you just do the link to our web blog?
0: The right the specific link that goes to your. Um, your page that has that link so on your blog when you click on a particular post we'll pick on Allison she's first here so here's Allison's post with her avatar great avatar by the way Um, here on the post it says permalink and you can click permalink and that address is the one that goes right to that post so that's the one that you're looking for yes Right. You should be able to click on grades. And I think, can you see you see your, your score yet? Okay. Hmm. I'll look at it and see the settings because maybe I said it's available when the quiz is closed. So like after Friday, I think it will. Um, so if you don't see it after 5 o'clock Friday, then send me a, mail, a message and I'll fix it over the weekend. I didn't get an email
2: card. beginning I was
0: making it private, so you have to
2: log into So I had to log in to get one
0: of them. I'll be able to see your post, whether you made it private or not. And it really is up to you whether you make it public oh, or private.
2: I, mean, I, don't, I think I got used to it because I would do that
0: on my right. time. Right. Since I'm logged into our blog and I see it, that's not going to be an issue with the blog post. Now with when we do our voice threads and we share those, you will need to make that public um, right. and that I kind of stuff. But, right. So. But do realize it's up to you whether you publicly share these or just keep it within our class. I'd like you to share them publicly, um, but, you know, it's up to you. Yes? So how many is it, there's a couple people who've had trouble logging into the Moodle. If, when you log in, uh, if you don't see your course, Go ahead and log into the site. And let me help you with that after class if you've got trouble logging into the Moodle because I, I, we, we've got to get you logged in today if you're know not already so you can, you can take the quiz. Over on the side, you should be able to click all courses and then enroll. Is that what you all did to get into the class? So log in with your, e, your EUID and um, let's, we'll do, we'll, if anybody else needs help with that, let's do that after class. Okay. Last thing on tests and quizzes. Um, We're gonna have our exam Monday. We'll just do it in class. And I have moved the presentations basically back a week. So if you were supposed to go Monday, I scheduled you for Wednesday. If you're supposed to go Wednesday, I moved you to Monday the 18th. That's gonna be a problem, just talk to me after class or send me an email and we'll adjust. But um, the test questions uh, for our exam are on our assignments page. And I'm gonna talk right now about Creative Commons because Of these 10 questions, probably the main thing that you may still have questions about um, is this. And so I've got a a page, a resource page that I made on our site that talks more about Creative Commons. And I'm going to show this three-minute movie to basically give us an overview um, of Creative Commons, and I'll say a, a few more things about that. So let's take a look at this.
2: When you share your creativity,
4: you're enabling people anywhere to use it,
2: learn from it,
4: and be inspired by it. Pick the teacher who shapes young minds with work and wisdom from around the globe, and the artist
2: who builds beauty from this and pieces she finds online,
4: and the writer whose stories use ideas and images crafted by people you never even met.
2: These people know that when you share your
4: creative wealth.
2: You can accomplish great things.
4: Play. And millions of other people, people all around the planet are working together to build a richer, more vibrant culture
2: using Creative Commons.
4: To understand Creative Commons, you need to know a little bit about how copyright works.
2: Did you know that when you create something, from a
4: photograph to a song, to a drawing, to a film, to a
2: story you automatically own, an all rights reserved copyright to that creativity. It's
4: true, the copyright protects your creativity against uses you don't consent to.
2: But sometimes, full copyright is too restrictive.
4: What about when you want those millions and millions of people out there to use your work without the hassle of coming to you for permission?
2: What if you wanted to be shared, reused, and built upon by the rest of the world? Luckily there is an answer.
4: Creative Commons. We provide free copyright licenses you can use to tell people exactly which parts of your copyright are happy to give to the public. It's easy. It only takes a minute and it's totally free. Just come to our website and answer a few quick questions like, Will you allow commercial uses of your work? And, Will you allow your work to be modified? Based on your answers, we'll give you a license that clearly communicates what people can and can't do with your creativity. You don't give up your copyright, you refine it so it works better for you. Welcome to a new world where collaboration rules. It didn't even exist just a few years ago, but now there are millions and millions of songs, features, videos, and and written works available to share, reuse, and remix. All for free. When
1: I work together,
0: then join the commons. Creative commons. All right, so that three-minute movie is a pretty good summary about Creative Commons and what it means for education, but to elaborate on that just a little bit more I'm going to show you a part of one more video that's called A Fairly Used Tale. I'm going to show you a trimmed version of this. This is a 10-minute video and I'm going to show you just the part that's about fair use and Fair use is misunderstood in in schools quite a bit. Copyright is, too. It's not an unlimited license to do whatever you want, but we do have the right to do quite a bit when we meet these criteria. In 1986, there was a document published called the Fair Use Guidelines for Educational Media. Some uh, librarians and others in schools have taken that to be the Bible, to be exactly what you can do. You can only use 30 seconds of a song and no more. You can only use oh, 5% of the work and no more. And that's not what the law says. So some very clever and, and you know media savvy people created this video and have I showed you this? I don't think I have yet. This is using all Disney clips because a lot of people have heard of Walt Disney suing a teacher for using copyright materials. You know, you can't take Mickey Mouse and put him on a T-shirt and then sell it for a fundraiser. That's illegal. You can't take a video that you read at Blockbuster, oops, they went um Redbox, and um, they're still in business, but they're, you know... They're hurting. Um, you can't take a, a video where it says license for private use, all that stuff, and then at school, you know, have a fundraiser to say, hey, everybody, bring a dollar. We're going to watch, you know, um, the, uh, the Princess Bride or whatever the movie is. You, you can't do that. That's illegal. Does that happen? Yeah. That's happened at schools my kids have attended before in Texas. Um, this stuff is, is misunderstood. This is a very clever way in less than two minutes of explaining what, what fair use is. Hey, what the
2: heck is fair use? I'm sorry, you
1: might want to again. So, hey, what the heck is fair use? <laughs> <laughs> this might sound crazy, but they're. they're
4: um, Unification. on copyright? Oh!
1: Music. Yes. Yeah. Copyright? right? Maybe. Maybe. Broken, but it's <laughs> You can borrow well, well. a small amount of a Welcome to. Well, true. Then I'll let you teach <laughs> that title lesson. Let me believe there has been a child security breach. come on Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is my professional sure. opinion but now is the time. Well, how do I know? If it's a
2: of use. Use. there are certain
1: rules
2: that demonstrate fair
1: The difference is done nature uh, done
2: Arnold, second of all, it's,
4: it's done you, you. Arnold,
2: Oh, and there is oh. one
4: more thing. It has to be something that does change the original words
2: in the marketplace.
4: Pay attention, everyone. This is important. It's like I always say. Fair
1: use is a right. But, but
2: what is it? Fair use is only a legal, defensible position.
0: And this is... not fair! Okay. So that, I think, is awesome. And you can share that with kids. You can take that and share that with other teachers. Um, this is complicated. I mean, there's when people say, I want to know, is this legal? Well, is somebody going to sue you for it? Uh, even if they do, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not uh, illegal. Um, we've got things on YouTube being put up all the time of copyrighted materials. In some cases... The copyright owners are having a takedown request. And has anybody uploaded something that has copyrighted music to YouTube? I mean, I have, I'll admit it. Uh, Anybody done that? I did something a couple weeks ago that had part of the Superman soundtrack in it. It was a a video that I put together. And it identified, ooh, you've used the Superman song and that's owned by this group. And I had to write in why it was fair use and then they allowed it to go up on the website. there are definite, you know, cases of copyright violation, and YouTube is getting really smart. and I say that as if it's a person. The programmers at Google are very smart, and they have figured out how to match, you know, music to copyright. And um, anyway, how, how to try and address this kind of an issue. And if they wouldn't, you know, they would get shut down, um, but they're, they're figuring out ways to work with that. So the question on your exam about Creative Commons, if we go to the class and we go to assignments, it says in at least three sentences, explain Creative Commons and what it means for students, your students, in terms of creativity, copyright, and web-based compliance, and web-based media and publishing. You know, some of those ideas are Creative Commons is a way to share your work. It's a way to give permission to the world to say, you can use this work under these conditions. For kids in my class, just like you all as my students, it provides us copyright-friendly pictures. And if we wanted to, we could do music and video that we've already got permission to use and republish as long as we give credit and there are terms to that use. Everything we're doing in this class is non-commercial. That means we're not selling it to make money and sometimes that makes a difference as far as fair use. But it basically makes the copyright question less fuzzy to say, gosh, I wonder if it's okay to use this picture. Hey, it's Creative Commons. It should be fine if you give credit and we're using it um, non-commercially. There are Creative Commons works that you can use commercially too. But um, in terms of creativity, it means creativity is thriving. There's all kinds of examples of this. I just showed you um, you Pano, and I've got those on my Flickr site. You can go into Flickr and just put Creative Commons, and I think I might have showed this to you when I introduced you to CompFight. I, by default, share under a Creative Commons license. There's 22 million photos today licensed with an attribution license alone. Um, 48 million with attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, which means use the picture as it is, don't make a mashup with it, um, but um, just give me credit and you can do that. Um, so the other thing that it means is that we need to make transformative works. So we need to create things that um, are just exact copies, right? If one of your students takes a video or takes a song and just puts the exact thing on YouTube and adds nothing to it, there's no original ideas, there's no critique, there's no creativity, they're, they're violating the copyright. I mean, they're just copying something that somebody else has done and not adding anything to it. But when you create a new work, you add your ideas, you make a, a parody, um, you put your own twist and spin on it, you're transforming it, and then fair use is coming into play with that. So, um, Don't panic about that question. I mean, you know it's coming. I do want to let you know, when we take our test, this is actually the first time I will have administered an exam like this, kind of all together in class with everybody on the computer. Um, You will not be able to use any notes. You won't be able to write anything in advance. All I'm going to want is your web browser open, and, um, you know, I want to know what what your ideas are. Um, It's all, except for the one matching about web browsers, which is a nice little freebie, it's gonna be easy. Um, It's all essay, so it's all just gonna be write several sentences. So um, if you've got questions, send me an email. If, if, you, if you have a specific question, write, you can write it on your blog and you could email me the link and I will comment on it. I mean, I'll be looking at the blog this week because I'll be um, more because I'll be grading everybody's quizzes. But um, use me, right? The university is paying me to be your instructor. If you're confused about something, ask me a question. I've got my email. It even comes to my iPhone now. I'm not saying I want to get, you know, 20 emails from everybody. That would be overwhelming. But... There are probably fewer questions sent to me as an instructor than there are out there, and I want to encourage you to, you know, make me work for the vast sums of money that North Texas is giving me to be with you this semester. And um, I want to help you be successful on this. Uh, And remember, this is just the first of three, and we'll talk about how this goes and what kind of changes we should make. Um, I hope all of you are going to do great and get A's, and I think you will. And you won't have enough to take the final, and we'll just do two of them. But anyway.
1: Thank
0: you. Well, I mean, yeah, that's in the syllabus, that you take the top two out of three. So if you bomb this one, no worries. You can, you know, just ditch it and take the other two. But any questions about the test or about schedule?
1: Yes.
2: At number four on the list, are you referring to,
1: you know, the 20 seconds, 20 slides kind
0: of question? Right. Number four is basically, in your own words, describe the Pecha Kucha. What what makes it different from a different kind of presentation. So, yep, we have 20 slides, um, 20 seconds. The idea is to use the medium as a visual communication tool. Pardon me. Not a lot of text. Don't read. You know, try and present with it um, those kind of things. And also, of course, click on under resources. We've got the uh, the link here to the Pechacucha stuff. And um, you know, take take a take a look at the Wikipedia article that we've got linked about Pecha Kucha. Um You can take a look at some other examples. So I want you just to know what it is and what the elements are, basic elements. Any other questions? Okay. Um, You should. I'm not giving you any reading assignments this week. I haven't because you need to be working on your VoiceThread. Remember, your VoiceThread assignment is five slides or more, and that is due uh, Sunday, October 17th. So that's coming up. And next week, I'm going to introduce Google Maps, and then the next week, I'm going to introduce... Um, I think screencasting next. So I'm going to be giving you some other some other uh, tools. I did add one more date that we're not going to meet face to face. That is um, Wednesday, October 20th. So we will have an on- we're, we're going to have several online assignments, um, but there are actually five more before the end of the semester. So you just want to make note of that. You won't have to come to class on that day. <coughs> All right. Any other questions? All right, um, please go ahead and link to our online evaluation form, which we've got linked on our um, page, and I've got everybody's names updated. I Raise your hand if I sent you your feedback, and you, did you, get your, you got your feedback with your file and everything like that. Okay, I think I got half of them done. I'm going to have to look and see. I don't think I got all of them done, but I'll be caught up on that this weekend, and you will get in the grades. Were you able to see the Excel file? So I attached it in there, and you got all that feedback. It's a little hard to kind of decipher because everybody's stuff's all squashed together, but you can click on individual comments, so. All right, well, would anybody who's presenting today volunteer to go first? Come on down. You're the next contestant on, it's Pecha Kucha time. (laughs) Sorry, it's a little cheesy. Don't forget to introduce yourself, and.
5: My name is Emily Hill
3: and I'm doing my project I went to Europe in June of 2004 I went with the German and French teachers at my high school Um, it was through es 4s and that's a map of the trip that we took. We took the extension through Oswald. We did the entire thing It was about 12 days long and a lot of time to get there and back We had four flights each way so it was very, very long travel The first place we went was Paris and this is the Place de la Concorde it's the first view of the Eiffel Tower that we got when we were taking the walking tour. It's a really beautiful place. And that there's two fountains like that in the middle of a big traffic circle. Um, and the Eiffel Tower is pretty much right behind it, but there's actually a lot of space in between it. And then we went. We also went to the Louvre while we were there, but we only had about an hour to go through the actual museum. So all we got to see was pretty much the Venus de Milo and the Mona Lisa. And the entrance to the museum is actually through that glass pyramid in the middle. Um, That was built in like 1997, I believe. So it's a fairly recent addition to it, but it's pretty cool. And then after that, we also went to the Notre Dame Cathedral, which is actually on an island that I didn't realize it was until we went there. And the Center of Paris is marked in front of it, about 200 yards in front of it, with a a, like a brass circular thing with a design on it. So I got to see, I got to step on the Center of Paris, and they say if you step on the Center of Paris, then someday you'll go back to Paris. Um, we also took a side trip to Versailles, which is uh, it's in a suburb of Paris, and that was the home of Louis the 14th, who's also known as the Sun King, um, and he loved it so much he made it the capital of uh, France while he was in, while he reigned for part of his time there, um, and it's beautiful. He had used the gardens as a hunting ground when he lived there. Um, and this is in Brussels, or right outside. It's, a, it's called the Atomium. It's a large. Uh, an iron molecule that's magnified 155 billion times. It's the Eiffel Tower of Brussels. It was built for the World Fair in 1958. So that's the equivalent of the Eiffel Tower in Brussels. Another thing they had in Brussels was uh, this fountain it's called mannequin Pis. It's called y- Little Man Urinating. <laughs> There's several stories behind it. It was built in the 1700s. The, the main story is that it's the two-year-old son of one of the dukes that was lost and they found him peeing on the wall. So they built a Fountain where he was hanging on the wall. <laughs> so some random thing that they dress up on special occasions and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then we went to Amsterdam, and that's the that's called Venice of the North. There's several canals. Some of them go right to the buildings like this, and others have sidewalks around it so you can walk next to them. And we went on a canal tour of the city, and we got to go to a diamond factory that's right off of the, one of the canals and see that. And another thing that's right off of the canals is the Anne Frank House, which has the statue of her right outside. And we got to take a tour of that, and it's actually a lot smaller than you think it is. There's about a foot and a half between the furniture and where you have to walk, so it's really, really small. But it was really cool to get to go see that and get to see the tree that's no longer there that she mentioned because it blew down in a storm a few months ago. Oh. Yeah, so that big tree's not there anymore. Um, and then we went on another side trip to a small fishing village called Bolandong. Um, it's pretty boring. There's not much to do there, but it's, it's cool to get to see it and see the different kind of culture, the local culture. Um, it's On the North Sea, that's what the the water is, that's the North Sea. Um, and then also on that side trip, we went to a cheese and clog making factory where they showed us, we got to try all different kinds of cheeses that they made and we actually could buy some and take it back as long as we didn't open it before we went back to customs. So I brought a little bit of cheese back from there. Um, and we also got a clog making demonstration where they showed us how they make the clogs and the machines that they use. Um, and that's the next slide. Is you have a picture of that, of the guy that looks really bored. <laughs> but he showed us how to make the clogs and what they do to make them. And he went to the gift shop and they showed us how to size, how to fit them to our feet. You're actually supposed to make them like two sizes larger than, like buy them two sizes larger than your other shoes. So I didn't know. So we got to learn about how to, what size we should wear and we got to play with them and walk around in them. Um, and then we went to Hamburg, Germany after Amsterdam. And we didn't really do much there. It was really crowded. There was a gay pride parade going on that day. So we didn't we miss out on a lot of stuff because of that. But it was pretty cool to get to see all the people with the rainbow flags walking around and having a good time. So this is their TV Tower in Humber. It was not much that we did there. And then we went to Copenhagen, Denmark, which was one of my favorite parts of the trip. Probably because we spent the most time there. But this is the little mermaid statue. This is the home of Hans Christian Andersen who wrote the original story, which is very different than Disney's version. She actually dies at the end of the story and doesn't get the friends. So it's, it's very different and really sad. <laughs> um, and then we also took another side trip to this castle, it's Castle. This is the castle that is in Shakespeare's Hamlet. This was how it was famous. It was a fortress for several hundred years. And they have, like walking up the hill to it, they have little tiny doors that are about four feet high. These called them hobbit holes and it was pretty cool to take pictures of that and then when we actually got up to it we got a tour of the castle and these are the dungeons um they the entrance to the dungeon is about five feet the ceiling is about five feet high and it slopes downwards so it's about three two to three feet high in the back and it's very dark there's no lighting or anything it's underground so these prisoners had a horrible living conditions that were in there and they have a big courtyard in the middle that you can actually see down into the dungeons from the courtyard kind of and then we went to Norway, and this is actually what it looks like when you come in by oceans on the boat that we came in. It's gorgeous. It's one of the prettiest places I've ever been to. And I was excited to get to go there because I'm half Norwegian. My mom's whole family is Norwegian, so I got to go to a place that my family's from. And we got to go to a Viking museum and see all the cool stuff that they have. Like, this is the big Viking ship that they had in the main display, and then there's a whole bunch of smaller things. You see all the Viking tools, and you get to read about what kind of conquests they went on, and things that they discovered and see all these cool artifacts from a long time ago. And then one of my favorite parts about the Scandinavian countries of Denmark and Norway is that they speak American English because they watch American TV. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to communicate with them because they speak our English and not the British English. So the first thing that we saw on TV when we got to our hotel in Norway was Friends. We turned on TV and Friends was on. So I thought that was pretty cool. We got to see a little taste of homes right at the end of the trip. We were all feeling little homesick, so that was pretty cool. And we actually stayed at the Best Western in Norway, and they fed us barbecue chickens. So. <laughs> and then we had 37 total hours of travel on the way home. That's how long it took to get home. We had an overnight stay in Boston, and that was our trip. Uh,
1: comments and questions for Emma? The
3: Yes. <laughs> I didn't buy any. I kind of wish I did, but I didn't because they're uncomfortable.
2: I've always wanted to Like, my friend has them, and I never tried one. Yeah, they're uncomfortable. Because they,
3: you're supposed to wear them so big that you can't really walk very well in them, and they're made vein of wood, so they're really uncomfortable. <laughs>
4: how long were you gone? How much did it cost, and how did you all raise money? To
3: go? Um, well, we just, we had fundraisers that we did throughout the year. Like we sold candy to other kids at school, and basically we had to pay for it ourselves. We didn't have fundraisers. I borrowed money from my parents to pay for this one. I didn't actually pay it back till I graduated high school but
1: Do you remember how much it was approximately?
3: Um when I went I think it was a little over two thousand for me. And then it used to be adults had to pay three hundred dollars more. And then like if you're twenty three over three hundred dollars more, but they changed that to adults a day now. Uh-huh. But it was definitely worth it. And we got a tour guide to show us tell us about everything and, and you were two weeks, twelve days. It was twelve days. Oh. mm
1: mm-hmm. okay. I didn't
3: take any of them. They're all from the pump fight. That so. All right. Good job. Please submit your
1: evaluation. And we'd like to go next. Give mm-hmm. her mm-hmm.
5: Okay, I did fun activities in Hawaii, and I'm Kelsey Hoey. Um, I was going to do my trip personally, but then I realized there's so many things that I didn't get to do, so I just did all of them in general. And this is just like a beautiful view. I mean, just going there and looking around is an activity system itself, just in itself. It's beautiful. Things are like fog coming in. But um, okay, one of the things that I really liked, you actually have to pay extra for it, but they can actually, how I phrase They can lay you when you land and um, it's just it smells wonderful and you actually can do lay making classes where you just pick out your flowers and just make beautiful, beautiful ones and it's just a lot of fun but um, when you're done with your lay you can actually go to the Pearl Harbor um, Memorial and you take them and cut the string and throw them out onto the water a lot of people do that and um, the Pearl Harbor Memorial is really just amazing to learn all the history and it's a historical landmark and it's actually there's the USS Arizona that like sank there and it's crazy but um a lot of people think about surfing when you go to Hawaii I've personally never tried it but I've almost been hit by a few surfers when I was swimming so you gotta watch out for them and I've never really seen huge waves like that but usually try to get from on the small ones when I've seen them um see. one of my favorite things to do is snorkel in Hawaii you can just either go out like from your hotel and just go out by yourself or you can go on boats that will take you to places like Turtle Town and Molokini, which I think is on my next slide, but um, it's a lot of fun, you see so many amazing things when you snorkel, and it's a great Things. This is Molokini. this is one of my favorite um, places to go snorkel, it's two and a half miles off of Maui, and it's an extinct volcano, and it's state marine life and bird conservation, um, back on the back of it, there's like a 300-foot drop-off, and that's where all the sharks hang out. But um, the boats will take you in there, and you can uh, snorkel and scuba and all that stuff, so Um fun. We went on a rainforest hike, and this is actually one of my pictures. This is a really cool bridge, There was two of them. We went two and a half miles in to get to a waterfall, and then two and a half miles out. And um, you could only go to two people on a bridge at a time, because it was really wobbly and shaky. I got in trouble for my dad because I was doing like an Indiana Jones theme song and it was swaying, so I got in trouble. But <laughs> um, when we got there, this is an asterisk jumping off, but we jumped off a waterfall. And the water was freezing because it comes like from up in the uh, mountains, or not mountains, but volcanoes, I guess. And comes down. It's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of locals who go up there and jump off, but it's really scary and cold. Um, one of my dad's favorite things to do is go fishing early in the morning and late in the afternoon. And um, if you're fishing in the afternoon and the fishermen starts to come out, you can see them, like, throwing chum in the water or whatever it is. So then you know you need to get out of the water. Some, like, scared of sharks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, you can also go out on big charters and you can catch, like, huge 100-pound fish. Um, Whoa, I love whale watching. So much fun. It's crazy when you in that big, jumps out of the water. Yeah, you, there's also, like, these boats where you can go. And they will literally grab your feet and dip you in so you can look at the whales underwater. It's crazy. And um, they also have these microphones they put in the water. You can hear the whales, like, singing. This is the road to Hana. It's one of the bridges. And the trip to Hana takes three hours. And Hana is a city up, up, way up. (laughs) And it's really windy and narrow. There's 59 bridges. 46 of them are one-way. And there's 620 curves. So, like, you'll be coming really fast. And you'll have to stop because there's tons of one-way bridges. And those bridges are from 1910. And only one of them had to be fixed since then. Um, I have no clue why anyone would to go diving in a cage of sharks, but I found this picture and I think it's funny because there's like a little boy in the back, it's like a whole family and I guess people like to do that when they go to Hawaii, but it's not my cup of tea, so yeah, pretty cool picture. Um, there's a lot of hula dancing, a lot of the girls who are native there do it, and it's for luau's and then they have classes and it's crazy to watch them like wiggle their hips and it doesn't even really look like possible how fast they're going. It's pretty neat that they still do that. It's like a huge moneymaker in Hawaii. But um, they do it at the Luau's And then this is the end of one of them when he's fire dancing. It's like a chief. And actually at the luau, they roast the pig underground for like 24 hours, so it tastes really good. And then I got like a pineapple, like a literal pineapple, and they cut it out and put strawberry daiquiri in it, and it was amazing. It was the coolest thing ever. But I really liked that. And the luau's are really fun. This is um, a banyan tree, and it's 60 feet high at some place, and that's like the main trunk, and there's 16 trunks coming off of it, and it was planted in 1873, and it's the largest in the U.S., and there's like tons of birds up in it, and it's huge, this is like half of it, but it's really neat to take pictures and find all the different trunks and stuff. This is a funny sign from the Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, it was established in 1916, and you can go explore, there's like caves that you see, lava tubes, and... It has two of the world's most active volcanoes and you go hiking and biking and there's like lava that's actually flowing and stuff, you can see. Um, one of my favorite things to do when you're shopping is to pick out your own oyster and you get to like, it's like five bucks and you pick out your own oyster and then you open it, you find your pearl and you like scrub it in salt but then they try to make you buy like jewelry that's really expensive so I just got like multiple <laughs> pearls and walked away. And, um. This is from Haleakala National Park, and it's up at the top of the mountain. You get up at like five in the morning and ride right up in a car, and then you can bike down after you watch the sunrise. But it's really cool to watch it come up through the clouds and everything. But I don't think they do the bike rides anymore because people were like falling off the edge, so I think they stopped that. But um, oh, this is an Atlantis submarine. That you can go on a tour and it's, about 48 passengers, and they sank the replica boat for um, a reef to form And there's actually this really cool YouTube footage of like a whale that came right up next to it and was like swimming with it. And the people were like freaking out, and it's pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then Wyland is a like, wildlife kind of painter and paints tons of pictures of whales and sea life. And it's like all over Hawaii. He has galleries, and it's just really cool. He just like huge ones. There's does it is at other places too, but a lot of it is in Hawaii. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, that's it. And there's my thing.
1: Comments or questions?
0: How many of those pictures were yours?
5: Uh, just like two, that bridge mm-hmm. and then another one. And
0: did you have you been there once or more than once? Uh, I've been
5: three times, but I went during Christmas break last year. And I was going to do it online, but there's so many cool things and pictures. But I just love it there. So. Have you
0: seen the whale breach actually? Yes,
5: though? yes. Oh, one time um, we went and my brother had his camera. He took like, it was the most whales they said they've like seen that season. He took so many pictures and then he opened his camera and his film was in wrong. And so none of them like, oh. yeah, he was like, are you kidding? Like he was so mad. But it was really cool. And then we go swimming. And I'd go underwater, and I could hear him singing just like with my ears. It was really Real. cool. Mm-hmm. Is that a Maui that you went? Yeah, I like went to Maui. Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sunday? my mom always loves to go Christmas because that's when all the whales are in like it's like her favorite thing to do. Oh, wow. But yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. All right.
1: Did you
0: submit your evaluation. <laughs>
3: Oh, my name is Shunar Adam. So um, I actually did mine on my engagement ceremony. Um, the reason I did it was because I'm a different culture. I'm actually Muslim, and you guys do things a little bit differently, and I thought it'd be really nice to see how we, how I had my ceremony. Um, my mom actually took this picture. I love the same that it has on it. Um, the, one of the most important things is wearing a very traditional outfit. You have to see that it's very embroidery, it's very gaudy, because you have to stand out of everyone at the ceremony. Um, my friends actually did my hair for me that day, I actually went and got my hair done, and it died when I got home, so my friends were like literally in the bathroom doing my hair before my family. Um, this is actually the plate that my mom set up, it actually, ha- in the middle is actually roses because when the families come to bless you, they throw the roses on you, and the yellow around it, those are sweets that they feed you, um, in a way it's kind of them giving your blessing, like for having the life together as a couple. and. There's candles. You can light it if you'd like. My mom was like, it's a fire hazard, so she didn't light it. The first thing is the ceremony is actually at my house, and that's my fiancé and my father-in-law. And they actually come to my house. They actually have it at the girl's house because it's just tradition that it needs to be there. And he brought roses, and there's a traditional gift from each member of the family. And it just represents, like, families coming together as one and then stepping towards me as their new daughter-in-law. Um, this is everyone from the, uh, from the guy's side, There's about there were like about 75 people in my house that night. And it's kind of weird because all the, men, all the guy's family sit on one side and all the girl's family sits on one side and we're like in the middle and everyone's like staring at us the entire time. <laughs> and it was really intimidating because half people I've never met before so them meeting me as like the new daughter-in-law of the family was really nervous. When they come to my home they actually bring, um, that's kind of like, I get uh, very traditional clothes, I get bangles, I get accessories. I get candy and I get sweets. And these are actually, like, the first gifts that my in-laws give me as me becoming, like, their daughter-in-law. Um, they actually made it all purple because purple is my favorite color. So they actually made the whole thing, like, purple. Um, this, is, this is my family. This is really important because in my culture, a guy can't just propose to you whenever he wants to get married. Like, my boyfriend's father has to ask my dad's father for my hand in marriage, and that's how this happens. Is that without my dad and my mom's consent, none of it would have happened. And it shows that families that we value our fam- our parents to make decisions for us. This is the first part of the ceremony where um, we're sitting together, and he actually gives me a glass glass of milk with uh, yellow food coloring and almonds and pistachios. And he actually has to feed it to me first. Doesn't kind of like we're kind of celebrating our being together officially. And um, it was really funny because he kept he kept, he put it by my mouth and he took it away and he put it by my mouth and he took it away. And I did the same thing, I did it second. And um, he didn't want to drink it because he hates milk and he does his stomach doesn't feel well. So I was like, you have to drink it. And he was like, no. And then he was trying to bribe my mom. He was like, can I just like, you know, pay her? And she doesn't have to drink And I was like, no, you have to drink it. And um, he, was, he was like, don't drop it on my suit. And he was really unconscious. But um, it was really scary because everyone kept watching us. And then we actually fed each other sweets. It's called um, Mitae, it's, it's like sweets. And um, he gave me my favorite and I gave him his favorite. And it was really funny because he gave me this really big piece and actually stuffed the whole thing in his mouth. And he was he kept, he was like, and he looked at me because he knew everyone was taking pictures and he didn't want anyone to see like what he looked like with candy in his mouth. Um, in my ceremony, instead of him giving me a diamond ring, he actually gives you a 24 karat gold bracelet. Um, that kind of it's kind of like a tradition from in-laws to give that to the new daughter-in-law. Um, it's it's really cool because the bracelet has an S in it, like my shore, So it's so cool. I loved it. And um, it's very, very ornate. I can never wear it at church because it's so heavy, but it's just tradition. This sister represents me finally, after the ceremony is over, I'm finally part of his family. I'm officially like their daughter-in-law, even though we're not officially married in our culture. Once you're kind of given to someone, you're technically like, she's my mom, she's my dad. Even when I meet them or go to their house, um, I call her mom, I call her, I call him dad. And then that's my brother-in-law in the corner. And it just, it just really represents how important family is. After once we take in taken after once the ceremony is over, we also get blessings from our elders. To be in my culture, we consider elders to be one of the biggest parts of our of our culture. My grandfather was the first one to bless us, and every person in the family gives him a gift from my side, and the same thing goes for his side. So uh, from yeah, so his parent, everyone in his family gave me something, and every person in my family. After that's the best part. You eat. The food is. We had a really good food. My mom actually cooked a lot of the food, and I cooked it. I made. Um, my fiance's favorite dish. It's like a, it's like a pastry with meat inside. So I made that, and um, food's really important because we love to eat. Who doesn't love to eat? And um, we try to make a variety of foods because we know it's such a big occasion. This is my brother-in-law. This is really important because in our culture, the relationship between a brother-in-law and a sister-in-law is one of the most important relationships you can have. People say that when you get married, your brother-in-law is like your new best friend in the home, and he mm. makes he makes your home such a welcoming place. And he, and he's like my, he's older than me. He's 21. And he's, like, my big brother, and he takes care of me even when I'm at his house. And these are, like, my friends. These are all, like, my little sister friends. Um, They've been, they they were so important because they've actually been there. They helped my mom set up. They helped be a part of such an important moment in my life. They helped me with my hair. They helped me get ready. They made sure that he had fun. And it was really interesting because at this event, he has to actually give them money because when I came down the stairs, they actually had to pay them for him to take me away. And this is me becoming, these are all his best friends. This shows that I'm becoming like their sister-in-law as well. So it shows that, and he's the second one to get engaged in his group. So it's really great to see that they have finally accepted me as their sister-in-law. And even though when they meet me at church or when we go out, he's all, they always like tease me. They're like, oh, you took our guy away from us. And there's a tradition. I didn't know about the traditions. That's what Elzal says. There's a tradition that after the whole ceremony is over, the guy carries the girl all the way upstairs to her room and sees her room for the very first time. This is when he first saw my room, and it's pink and girly. And that he actually gave me that note Valentine's Day, and everyone was like, and Elza was like, oh, this. We so were like, how do you know that you like is there? And it's worth it was like, and this represents just us finally being together. We've been dating for four years, and we've been engaged for one. And it just shows the importance of how much we do love each other, and how much everything just happens for the best. And we believe that everything happened because of God's grace, and that's how we're together today. And we think we're really blessed that we got to be with the person that we chose, and not like our parents deciding to arranged marriage for us. Are that it?
1: Questions, comments? Yes. I do.
2: Um. So apparently that wasn't a surprise to you oh, no you were all ready to go and everything. How? How does it get? How do you know it's coming up? I mean, because oh, that's probably a shock too. Maybe.
3: Yeah, what it was is like me and him. We've been dating for we were dating for three years at the time. And the thing is, my um, my dad never knew we were dating because in my culture you can't date. But my mom knew because my mom understood that it's okay. So what it was is that his thought, like he knew that my family's very traditional. So when he told his father that I want to marry her, he told his father, and his father like, talked to my dad, and he was like, you know, we like your daughter, we think she's good for our home, you know, can we have her for our older, for our older son? And my parents, they sat down, and they were like, yeah, you know, we should do it. And then we, they picked a date, and we actually changed the date seven, seven times, over three months. It was ridiculous. It was the most horrible, timed way to start off a relationship. But we changed it seven times, and we finally decided. And um, it was July 19th, 2000, uh, 2009, and it's been a year. And it's just, they tell you the date, and I got my outfit, I got my hair, and got everything done. And you know,
2: like, this is the date you're going to get engaged. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> When's the
3: um, It is July 21st, 2012.
1: What country is, are you, is your family from? In well, um, like I, was
3: born, I was born in Pakistan. My, my dad was born in India, raised in China. His entire background is Indian, though. My mom was born in Pakistan, raised in Pakistan. but Her entire background is Persian and Chinese. Oh. And my in laws they're complete Indian, like full on Indian as it can be and it's so weird because i've grown up in a Pakistani family, and um they're kind of they hate each other, the country do mm-hmm. so it's it's really interesting to see that come together but um it's it's hard for me because I'm transitioning from a family that's so very like we're very close together and they're very conservative. So it's a big change for me. Food, culture, socially, everything's so different. Your family is? He, he's conservative. He's Indian. He's full Indian. He's from Bombay, India. Yeah.
1: Anything else? All right. Yeah. First if you want to get to F5, Are you ready, or you can go to the right side. The right two more. One more. And now, go. Five words. Good. just get that five.
6: Okay, this is my journey to becoming a mother, and a little bit after. You know, I say being a mother now has changed my life so 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 incredibly much so I'm going to tell y'all a little bit about my journey change.
1: Okay.
6: okay this is me my name is Chikana Faye Powell and I know my middle name's country so don't laugh and I'm 21 years old and I was born here in Dallas my birthday's on June 27th 1989 and I've been here at UNC for two years, and I was at another school for two years. I'm a junior because I didn't take all of my credits. And this is my boyfriend, Roger. I love him so much. He's 24 years old. He works at Bank of America, and he goes to the University of Commerce. His major is Business Management, and he's probably like he fly, all in the bedroom and stuff. So, yeah,
1: that's him.
6: Alright, this is us together. We've been together for three years. It's worth a drink in my hand because we're at his sister's graduation party. (laughs) And um, I can honestly say, like, he's the love of my life. Like, I never thought I was going to find anybody like him. Like, I was going off to college and I was like, woo, I'm going to go party, and love found me. So I stayed with him all. We had a long distance relationship for two years. And this is October 16th. This was last year's homecoming. I found out I was pregnant. I'm smiling right now, but I am crying on the inside. (laughs) I mean, I was sitting there, and all I could think about was, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? But... In the end it turned out to be the best thing for me this is actually my sonogram you can have a sonogram at about you know almost 17 to like 25 weeks depending on how your baby's growing and things like that there you kind of see my baby's skull you can see the eyes the nose the mouth and a little bit of the body It was the best experience of my life to actually see what something was growing inside of me and I found out he was a boy and he got his name that day in this picture I'm about six months pregnant and you're starting to feel like really really huge like you're like oh my gosh I'm ready to have this baby but it's like really amazing because you can really really feel the baby moving now and like you can kind of see it like when it goes across your belly and it was the greatest experience of my life and I wouldn't change anything about it in this picture I'm about seven months pregnant I'm at Lamas and Lamas was so much fun me and my mom went and we did it two Saturdays for like nine hours and it was great. Like I'm holding the little baby that I had to learn how to change and put the clothes on and things. So looks like I have two kids and my mom's next the picture and we just thought it was so funny. Um, this is exactly one month before the birth. This is actually at my baby shower. It's at his sister's house and like his family is like so great to me. And you know like you know you feel huge. You're ready to have the baby. You're a little scared. You're a little anxious and. You know, my eyebrows and my hair do look really great in this picture, even though I'm, like, the big of a house, so (laughs) that's just a positive thing. Uh, This is June 16, 2010. This is when I actually had my baby after he came out, and they put him on my chest, and they're cleaning him and everything. And that's my doctor, Dr. Concardo. She's the best doctor in the world, and he was 7 pounds and 14 ounces. I was in labor for 9 hours. And. You know, like I say, after you do it, you don't even really think about the pain. Um, This is my boyfriend. He's holding his son for the first time. He has to have the little oxygen mask because he still had a little fluid in his lungs, so he was having trouble breathing. And, like, my boyfriend doesn't talk a lot and express his feelings, but, like, you can kind of tell by looking his eyes, he's like, wow, you know, this is my son. I'm going to be there for him. And he's, like, a fabulous dad, so... Um, Here, my baby's about two days. Oh, we're still at the hospital, but we're getting ready to leave, and I don't want to leave because they're taking such a good care of me. But it's kind of hard to sleep, you know, because the nurses are coming in and out trying to take your blood pressure, take your temperature, and everything so and that's your family's visiting so you really don't get any sleep at all and then you have to go home and take care of a child here my baby's about one week old and he looks like a little angel sleeping there but oh he is a monster when he wakes up so you know you're not getting any sleep at this point like I remember the first night we I got no sleep like I stayed up and I just watched him (laughs) So, yeah, he's beautiful, isn't he? <laughs> he's trying to do this without crying. Okay, this is his first bath, and, you know, with, if you have your boy circumcised, you have to wait until the circumcision heals, and then for all babies, you have to wait until the umbilical cord heals. <clears throat> and the reason I gave him this bath is because, like, somehow he got poop out of the diaper, and it was, like, everywhere. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm just going to put you in the tub. Um, here, my baby's about two months old, and I just thought this was a really cute picture because he's so little, and my boyfriend's like huge. So, we had just we had gotten home from taking him to get his two month shots, and he actually took it pretty well he my baby's a g like he cried when the initial needle went in but after that he didn't cry at all so i was really proud of him and now we're a family and this picture my baby's three months old and that's how old he is now so this is the most recent picture of us and oh my gosh i was driving all over town trying to find us matching stuff and i was like eight different stores but i finally got all the green and everything and so like now we're together and we're a family okay I would not be here if it wasn't for some of the resources that I had to find out you know the government they provide CCS and its child care services and they help me pay for daycare while I go to school and you know my boyfriend goes to school because me and my child are still bonding and I didn't want to leave him at home with my parents or his parents you know I want to be there for him it's hard but I do it every day um, I also get Wick, and Wick provides his milk, and this is his milk because he's not, he can't drink regular milk because he's, like, cussing and tolerant. it really messes up his system. And Wick provides children and families with, you know, help with food and milk and things that um, you need nutrition, nutrition-wise. And these are pictures of my support systems at home. This is my daddy and his wife and my two brothers. And as my mom, she helps me so incredibly much that's my best friend at the bottom over here and she had a baby too so like we like have to do everything with each other but her baby's a year older than mine and over here in the corner this is his family his sisters and his brothers this is my support system here at UNT that's my baby shower I had up here and they support me a lot this is his mom and this is my and like they help me so much so when I go home on the weekends I don't have to do anything. I can sleep and do homework and like they're so wonderful. Like I wouldn't be here without them. it's my website page. Yeah. Questions? Facts?
2: Oh, it's going back.
1: This is good.
0: Um, what do you um how do you think you you think and look at the world differently as a mom? Um, besides I mean the time factor, sleep factor, <laughs> the chaos factor, but how how is being a mom affected?
6: Well, I can honestly say, like, now I do understand some of the things my parents were doing and, you know, some of the sacrifices they made. And then I, I can honestly say I know what true love is now. Like, you know, me and my boyfriend, we have love and everything. But, like, for this child, you will die. Like, you will do anything. You will do absolutely, like, I, ugh, I can't explain it. Like, I'm going to cry. But you will do absolutely everything in your power to make sure that child has what he or she needs. So... I think it has made me a better person. You know, I, you know, it was a surprise. I wasn't expecting it. You know, it was unplanned, and, you know, me and my boyfriend aren't married. I know I would have liked for us to be married before this happened, but it's changed both of our lives for the best, so. Okay. All right. So right. i Evelyn, obviously. There's <laughs> only one
1: last.
3: <laughs> I'm doing the You're 10 Okay. Very so good. No if I get a little choked up on my tongue, I'm apologize ahead of time. Okay, so like I said, my topic is gymnastics and it's pretty much the only thing that comes to mind when I think about what I really enjoy doing and what I have a passion for. Um I started taking classes when I was I wanted to take dance, and my mom put me in a combination class of dance and gymnastics. But very quickly, I chose gymnastics. Um, I loved, they had a little short balance beam and I would hold the teacher's hand and walk across, and that was my favorite thing to do. And it's still my favorite event. Um, event Event-wise, there's four events for women in gymnastics, and this is bulk. Um, You probably recognize that you run down, hit a springboard, and go over the table and this is uneven bars and for routine you have to go back and forth between the high and low bar and there's a lot of different requirements but i always hated bars um this is beam and on beam you actually um it's like four inches wide and it's really intimidating because of how tall it is um this is floor obviously and i love tumbling it's so much fun because you get to do flips in the air and but it's also very scary to learn new skills Um, I did gymnastics everywhere. My mom would always get on to me doing handstands and stuff in my living room and outside. Um, Okay, so a couple of components of gymnastics. This represents sportsmanship. Everyone is always really nice no matter who wins or who loses. Um, This is for patience and encouragement because you spend a lot of time watching your other teammates do their routines and critiquing them and they do the same for you. Um, this is team bonding. Some of my best friends in high school were on my gymnastics team. You spend so much time together, you you have to get along. Um, this is about your coaches. They're just as much a part of the team as the gymnasts, and they serve as such good role models, and they help you grow in so many different ways. Um, this is for a positive attitude. Um, judges love to see people smiling. They are more apt to give you a good score if you're smiling, and you just have to stay positive. Um, This is for trust. Um, A lot of times when you learn a new skill, your life could be in the hands of your coach helping you learn that new skill. And this is fear. Um, A lot of times you're doing stuff where you're landing completely blind and you're upside down and you don't know where you are. You have to trust yourself. And, okay, practices are long and the conditioning is really hard and you will get tired. Your body will be so tired. So you have to be committed to overcome that. Um, This represents strength, obviously. You're holding your body up. You're doing different things to support yourself, and conditioning was always our number one priority. Um, This is commitment also. You have to be committed 110% because your hands are going to tear, like in a fixture, but you have to keep going. Um, Flexibility is the hardest thing to come by. Your coaches will always tell you you're not flexible enough, and we did oversplits like this twice a day. Um, Injuries, people get injured all the time in gymnastics because, I mean, how could you not? But you have to be really patient and let yourself heal. Otherwise, you'll get hurt again. And the hardest for me was stage fright. I mean, obviously, our meets were not like this at all. But with only four events, there's always going to be people watching you.
1: And that's my
3: Do
1: you want me to leave it on the desktop? Um, Yes. All right. Man, great job. Have you all enjoyed these? I'm so glad we do these at the
0: middle, beginning of the semester. Last semester when we did these, we did them at the end and it was good, but it's just great to get to know you all more and have more insight into who you are. And I'm very happy to be doing this a little bit earlier. Um anybody have any thoughts on your uh on your what you would do different or any of the um any of the things as you've watched you know other people do these and um just any thoughts as far as the the presentation model um i don't know if I'm making a lot of sense but is there anything that um have you all done done that kind of a presentation before for class? What's what has been good about this model that's different than what you have done other times?
2: Well, for me, it has to me more involved. Like I don't, I don't need this. Like I don't like reading a script. you just kind of reading it. all this stuff. This is just me, and I like that. I didn't have to do the script because, like, I talk something more allowed to go about, so I didn't a script. I just kind of felt from
3: my heart and what it was. I think it's good to have a little more improv. Because when you're in a
1: classroom, you're not going to have a script that says, like, okay, we're going to do this. You're
0: going to have a of plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Teaching is so much about improv. I mean, you'll prepare, but things happen, the bell rings, there's a fire drill, you know, somebody. I think it's great for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's all There's all kinds of things that. So. Well, I think when we do
2: normal PowerPoint presentations, I put a lot of text my PowerPoint that so feels
1: like I'm reading things to the audience right where this one it's not I don't sound like
0: won't sound like a robot like right. right and you know that realization that it's actually insulting to read to an audience because fluent readers can always read faster than you can read to them so um, I, I think it's a challenge to that traditional way I mean if there's one thing that I hope you'll walk away from this class with there's a lot um, but it would definitely be this idea that we can break that mold. And honestly, it's, it's, you see bad presentations all the time. Pretty much every AT&T presentation that anybody used for the two years I worked for the company was everything wrong with a presentation. Um, now, that said, if you, if you're giving somebody a presentation to read, which they did sometimes, then cool let let people do that because maybe that would be more effective but especially when we're live in front of a group it's like you're you're just not taking advantage of the opportunity one of the things i enjoyed and some of you did that did that well today is also the storytelling you know our brains are wired to remember stories that's why i'm so passionate about storytelling think about that as you share things with, you know, others, with your kids as you teach, if you will wrap it in a story, every after-dinner speaker, every politician, every preacher, anybody who's speaking publicly, every university president, if, if they're an effective communicator, they will tell you stories. They'll probably also use humor because laughing kind of opens your brain to learning. And I'm not saying that everybody has to, you know, you've got to tell stories and you've got to use humor. You don't have to do that, but kind of be sensitive to that up to that um, you'll recognize that and encourage your, your students to do that too the more we create and um, you know work in, in a media like this the more aware we become of what other people do and they don't do so any other thoughts about what? those of you that have done the the 10 second inspire model versus the, the 20 second model any thoughts on that is that would you happy with that, or how, what did
2: you, well, I'm a fast speaker, so the 20 seconds when I initially did my PowerPoint, I was like, I don't have much to say, Right. and, I mean, I've seen horrible presentations mm-hmm. done before, and all my classes are actually crazy, and so the fact that we have, like, a certain limit on time, and the amount of slides to get done, right, actually helps, like, organizational skills, and
1: speaking, too.
0: It definitely helps for planning, too, you know, as we're thinking about this, and if we're going to have enough time to do them, and stuff like that. Have any of you watched any of the other Petra presentations that are on any of the other websites? Um, anybody? A couple. Uh, I have not watched a whole bunch of those. In fact, I can't vouch for you know what we'll find because I'm sure you'll find all, all different kinds of topics. Um, well, we've got about 10 minutes left. Uh, is that right or do we get out of here at 12.15? We get out at 12.20? Is that right? Um, let's talk a little bit about VoiceThread, maybe, or if, if, if you have a question, we can use this ten minutes however you want. I was thinking that we might talk a little bit about VoiceThread and answer some uh, some questions about this, um, since this is our our next big assignment that's due. Is anybody finished with their VoiceThread um, assignment yet? You've got your five pictures done, okay? Just a couple of you. Um, let me just, I guess, first o- open it up to questions to see what... Does anybody want to ask a question as far as VoiceThread? Was something that um, tripped you up? Or the only thing I had a problem with was whenever it was saved in my voice.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
2: once you click save, and then it's, you wanted to go back and change that, that was not like I didn't figure out how to do that. Okay. So I had to actually look at my slide and put it back in. Oh, and redo the whole thing? Okay. Well, not the whole thing, but just that picture. Right. Because I couldn't figure out. If you already clicked save, then. I right. How, how do you. You can find several and save. And you know what I mean? Like, it was saving several of mine on one picture.
1: Right.
3: <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to. Do that, so somebody might run into that
0: problem so too. Okay, well, let's talk about that as far as, and then, I, and then I'll demonstrate how to embed your, um, how to embed your your VoiceThread in, into your blog post because everybody's going to need to do that. And has anybody figured out why it's working in some cases and why it's not? Because I have seen voice threads just in the quiz I graded this morning. Somebody had had one in there, so. Just make sure your link, at least, you know, is working right. And um, I'll, I don't know, I'm not sure what what the answer to that is. So here's a picture. Um, what I'm going to do is just download a couple a couple pictures. You all are doing a great job in your Pecha Kooches of using the large versions. You know, just remember, just as we talk about in the Pecha Kooches, don't don't get the small versions. Make sure you get the large versions. And I'm just going to save these on the desktop in a folder. It's a really good idea to, um, and the new folder button's a little bit different here on this one. It's a really good idea to rename your pictures at the time you save them just to call them something that will be more recognizable. And I'll get. I'll get one more. So when you create your voice thread, this is an example of something that's called layered complexity. And the iPod, the original iPod kind of embodies this, the touch and the iPhone not as much. But it's like a lot of choices, but only a few things at once, right? There's probably 50 things you can do here, but it's only giving you three choices. Upload, comment, and share. Same thing up here, browse, create, and my voice. It's keeping it real simple. Um, If you would want to, and this is something I haven't mentioned, you can go to media sources here, and you can actually link directly to your Facebook you can also link to your Flickr account. And the New York Public Library has over 700,000 images that it has made available directly through Flickr. So if I was going to, let's say, do something about animals, um, then, and I put in lion, you know, because there's sea lions and other things. But here's 99 pages of photos about lions, and what is so cool about this is when I click import here, it's not only going to add the page and import that picture and I can close it, but it's also going to put the link that goes back to where that came from. It already does that automatically. So just to let you know, that's what media sources is. URL I don't use very much or webcam. You're probably using my computer and you know, your first step, you're, you're going to plan your presentation and then you're going to get all your pictures. Um, Who knows how to get more than one picture at once to bring them all in? Control will let me click. Also, Shift will get them, and then also Control A. I use that to to select all. But that way, if you've got all your pictures, you know, just bring them in all at once. Um, You can, in any time, reorder these, dragging them around. But basically, um, the that's that's importing. In terms of your title and description, make sure that you are at least putting in a title. (coughs) The tag is something you can use. Like if your class is going to do voice threads, you can all use a common tag. And that way, it, it can be searchable. Um, you know, we could put something like China or Shanghai or something like that. If, this, if it was about that, other people are going to be able to find your voice threads, and you can find your students' voice threads too by using a common tag. Down here on the title and the link, this is what I wanted to point out. Because look how cool this is! They put the title and the link to the New York Public Library is already there on that slide because. Um, of how it imported If I want to put that kind of attribution Then I'm going to need to copy that address And what I recommend you always do And you teach your kids And it's a hassle But at this point It's the best way to do attribution At the time you save the picture Copy the link And um, you're not going to be required to But I would recommend That you include that link On your VoiceThread. As attribution for where it came from, um, and I'll say um, Shanghai, September 2010. That is a really good way to do attribution because people can click on it. It's not like they just see it, you know, scroll scroll by fast. So let me answer the question as far as commenting on your voice thread. This is a good place to use your avatar and. Uh, it will automatically create one of these monopoly character icons for you. Um, my kids and I use these different ones. If, if you're in a self-contained classroom, you've got 20, you know, hopefully not more than 25 kids, uh, you can have everybody with their own identity um, right here inside VoiceThread. When you're using a microphone, if you're putting it on your head, try not to get your microphone right in front of that corridor of air. Blow out your mouth right now to move your finger in front. You see how that's a narrow corridor of air right in front? That's what you don't want the microphone in front of because you'll get the blowing sound. Try to put that microphone actually in the corner of your mouth here and then it'll get your, your voice as it passes over but it's not going to um, actually um, get the wind noise in there. So um, I do want you, and has anybody been unable to get a microphone at this point? Um, it does give you some free minutes to call so uh, I've got a bunch of minutes on here, uh, but I think it, it gives you maybe like three or something. So you can actually call your own cell phone and then use your phone and leave your comment, which is kind of like cool. But you can only do that I think for three minutes worth. It might be enough for this project, so that's an option for you. But um, I don't want. I would really like for you to record at least some with audio and. Uh, Just uh, see where you can borrow a microphone and um, we'll... I still haven't checked to find out what they're going to do. Let me show you how to delete. So when I click record, I say allow. Hey, this is Wes, and we're looking at the Pudong side of Shanghai across the river from the Bund in this photograph. I click stop, save, and then here's my recording. I'll unplug this so it'll actually go back out to the speakers. Hey, this is Wes, and we're looking at the Kudong side of Shanghai. See how I have a trash can right over my voice as I play it? Mm -hmm. That is what you click on to delete, okay? And then it just will prompt you to confirm, you really want to delete? Yeah, go ahead and delete it. So, if you make a mistake, not a problem, you get a trash can icon there. Last thing I wanna cover is how to share this. The last page here is giving you your embed code and I think everybody has already done this once, but I want you to do two things. I want you to copy the link that you're gonna put on your uh, blog. So you're gonna write, you know, this is my voice thread, whatever, and you're gonna highlight it. And what's actually the best practice is Um, I love my trip to Shanghai highlight text it's better to not say click here to go to my voice thread write naturally and then hyperlink inside your natural language that you've written so that's the link to the voice thread the next step is getting your embed code and when you copy this all that mess You should hopefully be able to click on this icon for the video and it's called the code snippet and insert it and I am not let's try and figure out together what's making some of these work and some of them not. Um, This one actually uh, is working so that is functioning as it should but it's having this message to say that it's not public so people can't view it so the last thing that you want to make sure you do is at the bottom under publishing options there's a couple places to change this. this is where you allow everyone to view this is critical I will not be able to grade your voice rate if you do not check that box. Now, I'm also going to give you another chance. I'm not going to say, oh, sorry, you got a zero. I'll say, hey, you need to remember, you know, check the box so I can view it. And then we'll have a little exchange of email back and forth. Um, I would recommend that you check these other two boxes as well. Let me know if you have questions. Good luck studying for our test. We will see you on Monday. Have a great rest of the week. to um five pictures and no, no. requirement on what uh, how much audio you know so any particular pictures
1: you could just take anything